Okay, let's open our text this morning. This is 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and we are looking at verses 7 through 12 together today. And we'll begin by just reading that text. That's 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us not love, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Four concepts I'd like to look at with you this morning as John discusses the great love of God. And the first is this. In verse 7, he is telling us about the source of love. Let's look at that. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Where does love come from? Love is from God. There is a source. The source of love is God himself. There's a big question here. Why is it so important that we love one another that John has spent so much time telling us to love one another? How many times have we talked about loving one another as we have been in the book of 1 John so far? Our 15th week in the book of 1 John. Has he said it more than once? Does it seem like it comes up every week? Does it seem like almost his entire letter is about loving one another? Yeah, it does. Because it's important. I was thinking about this this morning and, and, a, and a thought occurred to me that why, why do we think maybe that the love of God is so pressed on John's heart? Do you remember what he called himself? The beloved disciple, the one whom Jesus loved? He had a personal relationship with Jesus himself and he experienced the great love of Jesus. Right there next to him, he knows how Jesus loved. He experienced Jesus' love. And so when he looks around at the believers, he says, we're not quite there yet. We're not loving like Jesus loved yet. I know because he loved me that way. Now, if God loves us, we should be loving one another and here's what that should look like. But first, we need a motivation. Why love one another? Why is it so important that we love one another? It's very important for John, isn't it? He says love is from God. And each person who loves has been born of God. And each person who loves knows God. Only those who have been born of God and know God are capable of truly loving the children of God. But no one has ever been loved perfectly except by God. No one has ever loved others perfectly except God himself. However much you want to love your spouse, your children, or your church, or your friends, you have never loved perfectly. 
Would you agree? However much you've wanted to be loved by others perfectly, others have failed you. Would you agree with that? Churches have failed you. Would you agree with that? Pastors have failed you. Would you agree with that? Yeah? The source, it seems, which is your church, family, the ones who ought to be most loving, they've let us down. Would you agree? That hurts. But if we, the children of God, have not been loved perfectly and have not loved others perfectly, think about this. How could there be any chance for the unbelieving world that they would love at all? If we, the children of God, with the Spirit of God, are still not loving perfectly, what hope or chance does the unbelieving world have of loving? Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. Understand this. In the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be, listen, what's the first thing he says? Lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And so Paul says, avoid such people. Those who are devoid of the Spirit of God, the knowledge of God, and the love of God are incapable of loving the children of God because love comes from God. And those who love have been born by the Spirit of God. In other words, we're enabled to love one another when we are reborn by the Spirit of God and the knowledge of God. In other words, we have a capacity to do something that we otherwise could not. Do we lay hold of the new capacity for love that we have been given? Or do we let it lay to the side? Love is from God. The source of actual love, true love, is from God. And when we are reborn by the Spirit of God, we come to understand, that is in an ever-increasing way, the love of God. And when we experience the love of God, it causes us to see things differently. Our definition of love changes. Our objects of love change. Our motivations for love change. Have you all experienced this? If you have not experienced a change in the desires and the affections, what you love, how you love, if that's not changed for you, then your very source of love has never changed. Because if your source of love was God you would be loving like God. And if we don't love like God, there might be a reason for that. Look at verse eight. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. It is impossible to know God and not be changed by his love. It's impossible to be changed into a person who loves like God without knowing God. All of these things are true. Here's the condition of those who don't know God. 
Paul says again, Romans 1, 28 through 31. It's a text you're familiar with. Listen to what it says. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. What a description of those people. Well, a foolish, faithless, heartless, heartless person love you the way that God loves you. How could they? And yet, we expect it. And our expectations are often not met. And we wonder why. Because those people who don't have the Spirit of God, who are not born of God, are not able to love in such a way. Why? Because they don't know God. And that's what John just told us. Remember this, John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. And by this, all people will know you're my disciples. If you love one another... Love is so extreme and so new that it's what marks you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are loving in a way that the world doesn't love. You must be different. You must be a child of God. You must be a disciple of Jesus Christ because the way you love looks so different than everyone else. It is the marker of those disciples of Jesus Christ. There is a text I, I do want to read before we, before we move on because it gives us some insight into what Jesus was teaching his disciples about love. So look at it with me just for a few moments. Look at Luke 6, verses 27 through 36. Open your Bible there if you have it in front of you. Luke 6, verses 27 through 36. I want to show you case in point of how drastically Jesus has told us to redefine the word love what love means, and its very source, what we're to do with love, how radically different it is than the world. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. But I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Listen to this part. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Do you hear that? Even sinners love those who love them. So what are you to do? You are to love those who hate you. You are to love your enemies. You see how drastically different that is? And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you for sinners do the same? But you're to be different. And if you lend to those who, to whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. 
but love your enemies. Do good, lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Listen, here's why. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. He is kind and loving to the evil and the ungrateful. Why is that such good news for me and you? We are the evil and ungrateful that he loved. If he was not like that, we would not be loved by God. But here is the love of God, that he loved you when you were evil and ungrateful. See the love of God for you on display. That he loves so drastically different than us. He is truly selfless in his love, giving in his love, gracious in his love, merciful in his love, considerate in his love, gentle in his love. How do I know that? Because he loved me. And if we can simply understand the great depths of God's love for us, it will change us to love other people. And this is where John's headed. The more we understand the nature of God, the more we will be loving like God. I think that's true. But the second thing, let's look at it. The second thing that, uh, well, we're on the third thing. Did I skip the second thing? We were talking about the meaning of love. Third thing, God's demonstration of love, verse nine. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Pause right there in verse 9 for a second. This is the love of God, and this is how it was made manifest among us. See, he he demonstrated it. He, He gave it to us. God's love did not lay dormant or hidden, but instead it was made manifest. It was made visible to us. It came to us. We saw it. We saw it in action. Oftentimes, for us, we are very different than this. Why? How? Because our love lays dormant, and it's not manifested. See, we have the capability of loving because we have the Spirit of God in us. We have come to understand God, but often the love, the capability of love we have lays dormant in us, and we don't act upon it. It doesn't manifest itself in the way it should. This is why John is saying, so love one another. So love one another. Why? Because you have been loved. But he wants us to understand God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is how he loved you. This is how that God manifested his love for you. This is how he demonstrated his great love, by loving you. Unless, that is, you think you're worthy of love. But if you don't see yourself as worthy of love, then you're going to understand the greatness of God's love, loving those who are unworthy of love. Look at verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God, but rather that he loved us, and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Isn't it often the case that those who don't really understand Christianity, don't quite have a grasp on the gospel, think that life in the spirit, regeneration, becoming a Christian begins with what? Loving God. If you would just love God already, just commit yourself to God already, you'd be a Christian. But actually, the gospel begins with God loving you. It is in, you. You are incapable of loving God unless God first demonstrates his love toward you. The gospel begins with God, not man. 
God does not love us because we first loved him. If you would just love me, I would love you. Does that sound like the kind of love that God would have? If you just love me, I'll love you. Even sinners love those who love them. But God's love is not like that. You see, he loves those who do not love him first. Are you like that? He loved us to the extent that he sent his one and only, that word is so unique in itself, and it means unique, the one and only unique son of God to be the propitiation for our sins. He loved us with such a great love that he gave his very self for us. Do you see the great demonstration of God's love for you that he gave of his very self for you? To love you, to bring us into relationship with him, to demonstrate his great love. But I want to look at the final thing here because John has been bringing us to a particular point and that is the result of love. So he's explaining to us how the love of God works. He is saying, here's how the love of God works. Uh, God has, God is the source of love for God is love. And by the way, let me just make a little point there. A lot of people have observed that the world believes that love is God rather than God is love. Have you seen this concept at work in the world? That as long as you love, that is what is divine. I want to read something for you. This is from Margaret Paul writing for the Huffington Post. Okay? Listen to what she says. Okay? I'll put a warning statement on this. Do not believe what I'm about to say. There is only one source of love, and that source, God, spirit, higher power, whatever you want to call it, love is God. God is love. And any love that comes to us through another person is coming from God, through that person. The moment you shift your intent to loving yourself, you will open the door to your wonderful, beautiful, ever-present, totally dependable source of love. That's what I'm talking about. Love is God. Love is supreme. Love is divine. That's the thought of the world. But in fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. That God is love, and he defines what love is. He is the source of love. He has demonstrated this great love to us. So he is the source. He gives it meaning. He tells us what it is, and then he demonstrates it. All to what for us? Okay, what do we do with that? Here's the result. Here is the result of God's great love for us. Look at verses 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, if we've understood so far how God has loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, and if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Knowing the extent to which God has loved us, this knowledge and this experience will change the way that we love one another. And it should be ever-growing as your knowledge of God and your experience with God is ever-growing, correct? If we remain dormant in our spiritual life and in our knowledge of God, guess what else is going to remain dormant? The way that you are intended to love. 
If you are not intentionally seeking out God himself, you're not going to be intentionally seeking out love for one another. Do you see how these two things go hand in hand? Because they do necessarily. You know this by your own experience. Distance yourself from spiritual disciplines, from seeking out God, from being in community with your church. Does your love grow dull? You know that it does. Because God has an intention and a plan. And his plan is that your love might grow as you experience the love of God. But I have to say that even in saying that, I am overwhelmed at the great love that FRC has as a community because I see God's love at work in you. I feel God's love working through you. And actually, this is John's point because no one has ever seen God. There's a particular theological concept called the invisibility of God. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, no one has ever seen God. But on the other hand, people can see you. Do you see his point? No one has seen God, but I can see you. And here's his point. We should love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us. So in other words, when I see you loving or I experience you loving the way that God loves, who do I see? God. See, no one has ever seen God, but yet we see them in you because God abides in you when you are loving the way you should. And do you want to let others around you experience the great love of God? Do you want that for other people around you? Do you want them to feel the love of God? Then love them. Love them like God has loved you. And they will experience the great love of God. They will see God. That's, that's pretty unbelievable, isn't it? How will they see God? Well, they will see them because God is working in you and through you as he changes you to love more. As your definition of love changes, as it grows with your understanding of God, you are changed and you love differently. Believers are to be the manifestation of God's love to one another and to the world. If to the world, then how much more to one another? Right? So I just want to ask you a few questions. This is a simple concept this morning. I hope you see that it is. This is not difficult to grasp in our minds, but it seems as though the easiest things for us to grasp mentally are those those things that are the hardest for us to grasp in our heart and to actually take hold of and live. So just a few questions to consider this morning. Number one, that God is love and I understand that. And I am a child of God. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ, that is absolutely true of you. And that being the case, let's consider a couple questions. How does my love compare with God's love? In other words, let's just put a check on it, okay? God's love is here, your love is here, they're side-by-side comparison. How does your love measure up to God's love? Now, once you've been humbled, then we can proceed to the next question. Do others see the self-sacrificing love of God in me? Or do they see a selfish love, the old sinner at work in me? Is the love of God changing me to be more like him? That is, am I understanding the love of God more? Am I experiencing the love of God more? Am I growing in my spiritual life? Am I continually being humbled? Is my heart full with the great love of God? And in other words, the love of God is all I need. 
and we sing the song, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. And why do we sing that? Because it's true. And the more we sing that, the more profound it becomes. Because it's a deep well that we never find the end of. The love of God is deep. It is vast. And it needs to be explored by his children. Am I loving my church the way God loves his church? That's a hard question, isn't it? How has God loved his church? By giving his very self to that church. Doing everything for them. Loving them completely, fully. Giving of their very lives. What does this look like in reality? Is that there is an overarching desire to love and to serve beyond loving and serving yourself. There is an overwhelming desire to love and to serve them first before loving and serving yourself. Do you see it? And the question is, is this present and growing in your life? Because this is why John wrote his letter to the churches in Asia Minor. Because they needed to know this. They needed to take a step back from all the ins and outs and details of crazy busy life and say this one simple thing. Are you loving one another? Because you should be if you have, understand, if you have understood how much God has loved you. Is love the theme of your life? Not a worldly defined love, but the love of God as he has defined it. Let's pray together. Lord, as we consider your love this morning, I just, I pray for myself. I pray for the church. I pray for everyone who's here. I pray for FRC. I pray as we move into the future that people will be able to look at us as individuals when we're not here, as, as, as a collected body corporately when we are here, that what would be a defining feature, characteristic of all of us is this. I see the love of God and I feel it in the people. Why? Not because we want to brag about who we are or our church, but because we see this as immensely important to our Christian life, that your great love for us has so changed us that we can do nothing but love and be considerate of other people, kind to them. Yes, even to the evil and loving those who hate us. Loving to such a degree that people see that we have been changed by the love of God. Help us to grow in this, Lord, and help our hearts to be full of joy, contentment, encouragement by your love. And I pray that we would be experiencing that love with one another as you intended. You intended us to feel loved by one another. Not a normal love of the world, but a divine love that is through your spirit working in your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.